Friday the 13th, October, year 2023. I am invigorated by this podcast. I don't know why it's taken me so long to do something like this, but uh, just that conversation that I had with Mr. Chris Walter the other day, it was so insightful and just great to hear from such an awesome human being who does so much for our students here on this campus as the director of student activities, as the soccer coach, a math teacher. He really does it all, and he's been doing it all for a long time. Just like many other uh, people on this campus that I'm looking forward to interviewing, um, to get more stories, to understand a little bit more about Loyola High School and what this place means to the people on this campus and what the people on this campus mean to Loyola and the students. So uh, we, uh, we just had our freshman retreat where the students spend the night on campus. Uh, my son, Owen, is a freshman here who had a great time. Well, I think he had a great time because uh, that's what he told me. But I said, well, how, how was it? He said, great. And that's pretty much all he gave me, like most teenagers, to their parents. But I do know that it was, um, it was an influential part of this first few months at Loyola High School for him. And I think he's going to remember it for a long time. And it's really interesting and it's really heartwarming to think and to know that my son is meeting the guys that he is going to be best friends with for the rest of his life, like Chris Walter talked about. And um, it is really just a unique thing that when students come here, when young men come here to get an education, they leave with an elite education. They also leave with a brotherhood and they leave with uh, a strong group of friends who they will be friends with for the rest of their lives so so it's uh sentimental for me i love seeing it i've heard about it i've seen it grow in other students and now i get to see it grow in my son so let's learn a little more about this place with our next guest this is we are loyola Hello, Loyola community. Welcome to episode two of the We Are Loyola podcast. I am Rob Gore, and I am sitting here with our very own Dr. Fazia Kazi. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Mr. Gore? I'm great. I'm great here on this Friday morning. You know, first things first, it is Spirit Week, right? Um, we've had a great week with the students. This is Friday of Spirit Week, and you are wearing a Las Vegas Raiders Jersey. Uh, it is Jersey Day here for Spirit Week. Tell us a little bit about why you're a Raiders fan. Well, I wish I had my old L.A. Raiders jersey that I would wear in, back in the 90s. <laughs> um, but, you know, we've um, my family and my partner, we've we've always been Raiders fans. Now, to be honest, um, any game I've gone to, I think I've probably spent more time in the gift store <laughs> um, <laughs> than watching the actual game. But um, but we've all been Raiders fans forever um, since, like you know, so I was I was born in the late '70s, and so you know, growing up, um, the Raiders was, were our LA team. Do you, so. Yeah. Do you, did you go to many games when you were growing up? When I was little, no. My I had a lot of older. 
uh, boy cousins, they would go. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, uh, so I didn't actually go, but I would wear the outfits. Right. And so here I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have earrings you, and all that stuff. When you did, when you went to the games or just when you watched them, you know, at your local watering hole, I'm mm-hmm. sure you got dressed up, face paint, you know, went full Raiders with the, 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 the wristbands and the the spiked helmets and stuff, right? I'm just kidding. I'm sure. I'm sure you did. The Raiders fans are pretty crazy out there. But. They are. We we went. So most recently, when the new stadium opened in Las Vegas, we we went. Like, oh wow! Yeah, and I yeah, it's they it's, it's crazy, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's not so, a place yeah. to bring a kid. No, no, no. Uh, no. I would yeah. assume not. No, but that's good. But you were at the Las Vegas stadium. Yes, I did. I've been, yeah. I've been wanting yeah. to go see a game there. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a beautiful. I'm stadium. sure. And then the 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 jacket. I do. You know, this obviously is a podcast. Nobody can see the jacket, but oh, yeah. you the have bling. some serious bling <laughs> on the back of that Raiders jacket. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, so. great. So you know, uh, uh, this podcast is really just for the Loyola community. Um, you know, some students might listen. There might be some alumni, parents that want to that want to tune in. So it's just to get to know you better the idea of the podcast is to bring the different characters that make up this campus uh to the community just so we get to know each other better as a community and you know for me personally it's a real pleasure to get to know some people that i know professionally um but i get to know them on a more personal level and it's a real treat for me as well so again thank you for being here and um you know i think we'll we'll just kind of go back to the beginning you know where where you grew up you know um kind of what what started you down the path to becoming a teacher and you can even jump into college and what your major was and and uh, um, go from there Okay, so um, so I was born in in the South Bay. Um, at, um, when I was born, my family lived in Hawthorne. Um, so a little backstory about my uh, parents. My my father was born in Uganda in Africa, mm. and he came here as a political refugee in kind of like the early seventies wow. when all the stuff with Idi Amin happened and everything. And I think part of the reason that I've always valued education, and even just ever since I was little, it was always kind of ingrained in our family because when my dad. Uh, was able to get political asylum to come to the U.S. It was because him and his two two of his brothers they, they came together to the U.S. and they all had professional degrees and degrees in science. Hmm. And so around that time, I think in the U.S. job market, they were looking for people with science degrees, and he they were able to get visas hmm. because of you know their educational background. And you know like when they first came here, my dad always jokes around and talks about how like like you know sometimes I'll like worry I'll I'll be stressed about like student loans and things like that my dad's <laughs> like you know what the first time when I came to this country I was already in debt because I think he owed them for like their plane fare so when oh, he wow. came here and he first uh, he lived in a little church in Hawthorne him and his uh, three brothers and then you know they were able to get jobs uh, my dad worked at Xerox for uh, for all his life pretty much in El Segundo and, until <laughs> he retired and so um, so I think just the because he came here, even though he came here with nothing like of material value, the education he had was able allowed him to, you know, get a good job, work for a good company, and make a family for us, you know. And then my my mom, she was born in Pakistan. Her upbringing was very different than um, than my dad. They were they were from a small village, um, and they her father was like he started um, he was like a I guess. What do they call it? like a like a paper boy when he was young? You okay. know, delivered newspapers uh-huh. and then slowly had like a newspaper stand, and then eventually, I think at like at his peak in terms of his business, they had the second largest newspaper agency in mm. uh, in Pakistan. So my mom's family they weren't super academic, but you know, business was was important for them. And then my dad had gone to Pakistan. Um, 
kind of in the mid 70s to just for a two week vacation to go visit and their families knew each other. <laughs> My parents had never spoken. They had an arranged marriage. Wow. And to this day, they are probably the couple that, you know, as the young people say goals, <laughs> you know, they, they're the sweetest, most caring, loving couple I've seen. But, you know, they had an arranged marriage and, um, you know, they they came here or my dad sponsored my mom. And so when um, so they were pretty young when I was born um, and I was a handful. <laughs> um, so so like uh, some of the early things I remember. So we, li- we lived in Hawthorne and um, our 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 kitchen i always remember there being like a little round black spot in the middle of the kitchen and later on i found out that when i was when i must have been like 2 or 3 years old i was very young i wanted to make breakfast for, for my parents mm. and so what i did was i um i guess i found matches and i lit a little fire and i was sitting in the middle of the kitchen watching the fire and my mom my parents were like it was saturday morning and so they were sleeping in and i think they smelled smoke and they came out and i'm just like sitting there <laughs> watching like the, the little fire in the middle of the kitchen uh-huh. and i guess i always wanted to be a chemist there you um, go yeah, yeah. So, Start of a chemistry teacher right yeah, there. And, and I loved writing ever since I was little. Um, I think the most notable thing I did was about two weeks before one of our fa- uh, vacations, I, I must have, again, I was probably three, four years old. I was young. Um, I thought my parents' passports were little cute coloring books. <laughs> and so I like colored all over them. I ripped yeah. out pages and yeah, my parents weren't too happy. Probably not too happy about yeah. that. So, um, so yeah, so I was a handful when I was young, but once I started school, I just loved school. Yeah. And I think my, you know, my, my dad's job was in finance, but his background was bot- in botany and biology. And so whether it was like, you know, cooking in the kitchen or gardening, like, I think the science behind everything was always like explained to me and I and I think through my dad's eyes I saw appreciation for all that and so I think I always had like a inclination towards science and you know to me it was like a fun fun application of like English and math. Right. Yeah, and so so science was a first first love, right? That was a like a love at first sight, I should yeah. say, you know. So you've always a kind of a science-minded and that came from your father and just really a remarkable story about your parents and thank yeah. you for sharing that and you know, thinking about refugees and this time uh, that that uh, uh, so much chaos in the world yeah. with refugees um, political and um, environmental and, of course, because of wars. And uh, I think it's amazing what an education can do. And yeah. I think that what you're saying is that that is that was a pivotal piece of your parents' happiness, yeah. your parents being able to survive, particularly your, your father. Oh, and and, uh, and obviously that was passed on to you in a beautiful way. So thank you for sharing that story. And if we, we jump a little bit ahead, you know, yeah. into high school and then college, where did you go to college? Um, so I went to Columbia University, or my degree's from Columbia University, but mm-hmm. actually for undergrad, it's uh, Columbia College School of Engineering and Barnard College. And I was actually a part of Barnard College, which is all women's school. Okay. And so, which is interesting because I, I actually, growing up, I went to school in Torrance, uh, for like elementary school, middle school, high school. So I went, I was a product of public education. Um, but my, um, during my, like I think sophomore, junior year when I was exploring colleges, I started uh, reading about the benefits of single sex education. Mm-hmm. And um, and for me, I looked at it as like a, you know, a girl who, you know, I was interested in math and science. And like, for example, my Calc BC class, I was like the only girl, you mm-hmm. know, so um 
back then, I think women in STEM wasn't as as much of a thing as it is now. And so I felt like if I went to a, if I was part of a large university, but still had a smaller, uh, Barnard College was kind of the, you know, like a smaller community within that large university, I felt like it would help me um, succeed. And, and, and it definitely did. And just a uh, side note, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually started college as an English major. Oh, okay. Yeah. So although science, I always loved it. I, I don't know well, why I... Yeah, yeah. I, I want to yeah. ask why. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, why why English? Why you, If you have this love of science and then you go into college and you say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll start off as an English major. Well, I, I don't know if I saw myself as a scientist uh-huh. or a researcher in my career. I think I, I looked at, you know... My, my parents really wanted me to go into medicine. So mm, I okay. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, they were like, okay, you know, you should be a doctor, you should be a doctor. And I was mm. like, okay, you know, and um, and back then, a lot of people, I think the new trend was if you want to apply to med school, you should have a major that's not science. So like English or uh, or anthropology or, or, you know, because a lot of medical schools, even back then, and I think it's more so now, they were looking for students who know their science because when you apply to med school you know you have to have all the science classes but if you have some other major you can bring something in and I was always interested in a lot of different things Mm -hmm. Um, I I enjoyed psychology I enjoyed anthropology Um, so and then when I was in high school I think my English classes allowed me to critically think in a different way than my science classes did because with science you know I took all APs and there's a lot of critical thinking there, but a lot of it was like we were just studying for the test, right. and I wasn't as excited as I was in my English classes. I was able to be more creative, and I think I there was a part of me that you know I thought, oh my god, this is fun, and so so what my my initially my idea was okay, I'm going to major in English, but do all my pre med requirements and have a career in science. Mm-hmm. And so to me, English was a fun thing. And then once I started doing that, I early on I had a lot of internships that I did um, where I did surgeries and things like that. And then I wasn't, you know, it made me question okay, do I really want to go in medicine for the rest of my life? And when, when I had to kind of make that decision, you know, um, I felt like if I had a science major, and I was, I just, I loved chemistry labs in college. Like, I I was kind of the person that I, you know, I can, it's hard for me to sit still for too long. And with labs, I was always right. very engaged and just. Uh, I think our students can relate to that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, when I was in college, I took my first two years, I took all the GE requirements and everything. And of all the subjects, just there's something about chemistry that spoke to me. And I feel like. And it's funny because now I teach from a textbook that says chemistry, the central science. But but even back then, my mind, I thought it was that central science that kind of bridged everything because mm-hmm. you use math, you use uh, conceptual, you know, things that you do in biology. You still need your English because you need to, you know, you need to be able to write, you know, to mm-hmm. be able to publish papers and everything. So to me, having a chemistry major, I felt like I was being able to put everything all together. Right. So. Yeah. And, you know, moving into... Uh, uh, Loyola High School, you as a chemistry teacher here, um, and, and making that a central science. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the the flip of the curriculum in the science department, um, what that is exactly, why it's important, and how chemistry is kind of that central link to the sequence of courses in our, our, our science curriculum. Um, and then also, you know, um, talk a little bit about um, uh, uh, 
you're teaching pedagogy. You talked about being in the lab and how you loved it and how you kind of you, you pass that on to your students and, and how you go about teaching those lessons. So my I remember when I this was, I think I started at Loyola in 2004. So when I was uh, interviewed, uh, one of the things I was asked is, you know, what's a typical class day in my class would look mm -hmm. like? And to me, um, the most engaging science experience I had as a student was being able to connect, you know, what I'm learning in lecture and the concepts with what I'm actually, you know, doing in the lab. So the lab component was super, was really important in my own understanding. And, and, and so I envisioned like a very active lab-based class. And so, um, so when I first started, my our first few years, we had the traditional curriculum where, you know, our sophomores took like a lecture-based biology, which was like lots of PowerPoints. Mm -hmm. And then our juniors uh, took chemistry, which we, we had like a textbook where we marched through like, you know, 20 <laughs> chapters. And, and then like after my first or second year, I was like, oh my God, I'm just lecturing every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we weren't, we were doing labs, but it would be like, you know, like once every few weeks and, Cookie and it was very cutter traditional. Types of labs, yes, and right. it was just verification labs and all that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think I came on board at Loyola at an exciting time because we were starting to research um, uh, about the new building. I think uh, back then, uh, Mike Lou was chair, and then mm -hmm. after that, uh, Craig Bauma, where Dr. Craig Bauma was was chair and he um, um, he led us through the whole uh, um, transition with the new building and then as we were looking into um, all the details of the design of the new building I think a famous uh, quote that um, I think Dr. Obama used to always say you know you can't have a uh, like a Ferrari with uh, old engine or whatever we right. need, you know, we can't just have that beautiful building. We need to have updated, uh, you know, uh, curriculum. And so that's when, as a department, we went to uh, different, uh, you know, we went to NSTA, the, uh, the National Science uh, Conference, and you know, we saw a lot of um, presentations. And you know, we, as a department, we decided to explore the inquiry-based science and. And then we didn't go physics first. And so when we did that, so as a department first decided to do the physics first, and then back then I was I was teaching the chemistry, and so um, so I went to our our department chair at that time, um, Dr. Craig Balma, and I'm like, you know what, we should we should do the same for chemistry. And so we had a good team of teachers that we we decided to do the make the chemistry inquiry based as well. And then to me that that's that's the most you know that's how science should be taught. We should. Mm -hmm. We should be active in the lab. We should connect all the concepts that we're learning when we're sitting in our seats and lecturing to what we're actually doing, um, you know, hands-on. So, um, so we've uh, I think we've had our flipped curriculum with physics first, um, and then um, chemistry and honors chemistry for I guess so over ten years, no, twelve, fifteen years now. Right. Yeah. It's so been, over ten yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So between around fifteen years maybe, um, and so I've. There's never a boring day. I love, you know, I've taught, uh, I think over my time at Loyola, I've taught physics, I've taught uh, biology, I've taught chemistry, I've even taught AP Bio, I've taught AP Chem. And uh, well, whichever science it is, I, you know, it's always been fun. And, and part of it is because just having students connect, you know, just what they see around them to, you know, the fundamental concepts that we're learning is just 
it's you know it's exciting and to see that spark in their eyes when they when they when they get things and they make those connections right and you know kudos to you and your entire department and dr kazi is our our department chair our science department chair uh for the past how how long as a department chair? Since, I think, 2015. Yeah, so 2015. And how yeah. long have you been at Loyola? You said Mike Liu was the department chair. When I when I was uh, hired, yeah, since, um, I've been here since 2004. Okay, 2004. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, I think I'm going to be 20 20, 20 20th yeah. year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And, um, you know, I, what I want to say is kudos to you and the department. And, um, you know, you talk about the spark in the students' eyes. And we can actually see that, you know, when... Students are, are opting to take two sciences in the senior year, yes. and we see more and more of that, you know, since uh, we've gone to the flipped curriculum, and um, it was a lot of work, and, and this is actually what you wrote your dissertation mm -hmm. on, right? So, um, it, you know, I don't know if you want to add anything about the dissertation, but I know it was about the, the flipped yeah. curriculum, but it was also yeah. about some attitudinal data. Yes, it was. So, um, so Dr. Craig Bauma had done the initial, uh, his, his dissertation was uh, was a quantitative study of how our physics first curriculum mm -hmm. helped improve our students' SAT scores. And so since, um, so I started, so I became chair in 2015, and once I became chair, I'm like, you know what, I, I think I need to learn how to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And so so then I explored um, different uh, doctoral programs, and I, um, I started the one at LMU in 2016. So I did my um, I did the program 2016 to 2019, and at that time I felt like oh you know maybe physics first wouldn't be the um, the topic of my dissertation since mm -hmm. we already had a quantitative dissertation right. um, that came out of that, and so uh, so I, I I can't even remember I had some other topic for almost a so in a three year program for like the first year I chose some other topic and honestly I can't even remember what it was because obviously I wasn't into it and uh, one of my mentors um, she's like you know what whenever you talk about your school's physics first program your eyes light up and you get <laughs> super excited um, you need to do your dissertation on that and I'm like well we've already had a dissertation and and she's like well and then she asked me about it and it was a quantitative study she's like well why don't you do a qualitative study and um, so long story short, so my, uh, my study is a qualitative study on student perception, student mm -hmm. and alumni perceptions of, the, um, of our physics first program. Great. And, and a lot of the takeaways uh, were, you know, we have more and more students that are taking the double science. We have more and more students that are, you know, even as alumni, they're still remembering fondly the experiences that they've had in their science classrooms. And, you know, some of them go on to be business majors, but, you know, and some of them, you know, even within, like, you know, they're they're not necessarily majoring in science, but they're choosing, um, like, economics or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe fields in business that are a little bit more quantitative because of the different experiences they've had in the science uh, classrooms. And of course, we have many students that do go on to major in science and medicine. And, and you know, it's those days at Loyola that, you know, have that, that um, spark their interest to, to do so. So I think it's been, it's been a great experience, you know, I mean, teaching in the department through this transition, but then also, um, you know, when I did my dissertation, I was able to interview students and al alumni, and it was just great to see just the impact that our program has made on our students. Right, and the lifelong impact that yes. it has, and and I, I truly believe that it, it it's uh, it's partly because of the flip, right, taking physics first, uh, but it's mostly about uh, or that change or the benefits that we're seeing in terms of perceptions is about how 
science is taught and yes. having our students actually do science and not yeah. just listen to it or see it, right? We exactly. want our students to do science, and I think you, you've been instrumental in that. And, and congratulations, too, again, on an, uh, on an awesome achievement there. Now, uh, what okay, backing up just a little bit here, I think, I, I'm interested to know what got you into teaching or how did you end up at Loyola, right? So uh, 20 years ago, where were you? And then how did you end up here with us? Good question. So, so um, when I graduated, so again, I graduated the degree in chemistry. I was in New York City. Most of my friends went to work at Wall Street. Mm. And I, I really wanted to come home. I love New York City, but I lo I'm a Southern California girl. And, <laughs> you know, just like driving on PCH and, you know, with a convertible. That's, that's and just, a Raiders you know, fan. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And every, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so, so I really wanted to come back. So I, I, so I came back to L.A. And I, my first job was actually in finance. And I was, I was working for Preston, the antifreeze company. And I was... Um, I was assistant uh, to the controller, so I did all the accounts payable and everything. Oh. Um, so I, well, I tell my students a story because I'm like, you know, they saw that I had a, um, you know, chem degree, and they're like, oh yeah, she can do spreadsheets, she can do, you know, <laughs> because honestly, when you have, you know, a quantitative science degree, you, there's a lot of, you know, data analysis and all that that you can do that's applicable to different fields, and so they hired me, and I enjoyed it initially, but I. I don't know, something was missing. And so just for fun, so my hours were East Coast time. So from like 7 a.m. to like 3 p.m., I you know, um, because our corporate was in Danbury, Connecticut. So so I was done by 3, and I don't know how, this was back in the day when we used to fax resumes. So somehow someone had gotten hold of my resume, and I had some teaching experience because um, when I was at Columbia, I used to teach a... Um, they had it, it was called a higher education opportunity program as a summer program for like a bridge uh, program for students from underserved schools that were going to uh, they're going to enter uh, Columbia but they needed um, classes in like uh, calculus and chemistry and so I would teach those calculus and chemistry classes over the summer so I mm -hmm. did that like my last two summers and so someone saw the teaching experience and they're like, oh, can you, um, they offered me a job at a tutoring academy to tutor for uh, like AP Bio, AP Chem, and AP Calc. Uh, so I started doing that just for fun in the evenings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. I should make this my job. Mm -hmm. And then long story short, I, uh, the, my finance job, they actually offered me a promotion to go to Danbury, Connecticut to work in their R&D because they really wanted me to be able to use my chemistry degree. I didn't want to go back east, so I declined that. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a teacher. And so I got hired um, at actually my alma mater where I would have been my brothers, because at that time, so when I started my, I started my career young, and my brother and sister were both in high school at that time. So I would have been my brother's physics teacher, oh, AP wow. physics teacher, and my sister's honors physics teacher. They oh. were gonna hire me for a physics <laughs> position. And this was, you know, a block away. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, you know, I was considering it. And then there was another Catholic school that, because this was like August, so school was gonna start. Right. And both of the schools were doing late hires and they literally hired me on the spot and they handed me the contract because they needed a teacher who was gonna teach 
uh, Chem and Chem AP, Physics and Physics AP, and Algebra 2. is a small school, so I was going to have five preps. Holy moly. Me being 21 years old, I'm like, oh, you know what? What uh, a great opportunity to uh, teach five different classes. <laughs> I can do that. And so, so yeah, so I, so I taught there for a year, and uh, I was like, oh, this is a lot. I don't know if teaching's for me. So I went back to get my master's in chemistry, and the goal was, okay, I'm going to do my master's and apply and go to pharmacy school. And while I was doing my master's, uh, this is at Cal State Long Beach, they, off they asked me to teach lab classes. So it was like this, I, I was kind of going away from teaching, but something kept pr bringing me back. And so I was teaching lab classes there and I just, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I loved it so much. And, um, and while, and I was still at that um, tutoring with a tutoring academy. And one of the students that I was tutoring, um, now this kid is a, um, or not a kid, he's a, he's a physician, <laughs> I think in Arizona now. Um, he was in middle school and he needed a letter of rec for Loyola, like a supplemental letter or something. Cause I, you know, I knew him since he was in elementary school and I would help him with math. And um, so I, I Googled Loyola high school cause you know, being a girl, I, I didn't, it wasn't an option for me in high school and I went to public school. So I didn't really know much about it. So I Googled it and you know, and I, and I noticed there was a, uh, employment opportunity and it said um, they needed a chemistry teacher so I just uh, I applied for fun and um, it, during my interview it was uh, so back then Mr. Aristoff uh, he oh. was my first face of Loyola and he interviewed me and I told him I'm like he asked me if I was applying to other schools and I'm like no, I've taught at a high school before. I didn't really like it, and I don't think I like any other schools. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, I oh, said well. this to him. But I've heard really good things about your school, and I'm going to, you know, this will be my, you know, I'll give you guys a try for a year. I, like, literally said that during wow. the interview. Yeah, I don't know how he, <laughs> why he hired me. Um, so, uh, and it's funny because then that family um, that I knew um, – because that mom had told me about uh, Loyola High School and like ever since her boys were little that that was, you know, she wanted her boys to go to Loyola. And so like the first year I started, like that, that kid started as a ninth grader and then I started my first year. And then, you know, after the first year I fell in love with this place. I, you know, and even like the first day, I, I always remember when I, when I interviewed and I walked around campus, it was just a there's just a vibe or a feeling that I got that I felt like this is home. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, yeah, so then I um, I started here in 2004, and I every morning I, you know, I pass, uh, I, I live close to West High School and North High School, and I pass like Gardena High, I pass all these high schools, and I still make the commute. To, right. To Those aren't here. the same, right? No. Yeah. yeah. And w so. that's, that's really great, and a couple things pop up in my mind mm -hmm. as you're telling your story mm -hmm. of how you ended up here and first of all chemistry teachers are very hard to find so <laughs> yes you, you might have said i'll give it a try and mr aristov thank you mr aristov he you know still offered you the position and um and uh, uh, uh good chemistry teachers are even harder to find and we have the best so um so it's really cool that you're here we're lucky to have you I think uh, I, I don't want to keep you here. I feel like we can talk for another oh, hour, absolutely. right? But, but uh, I don't want to keep you here too much longer. But uh, a couple more questions. I'll just kind of yeah. uh, package them uh -huh. together in, in the sense of, of why you stay. You started mm -hmm. talking about your love for the school even from the first day and how you felt like it was home. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about why you stay and, and why that's important. And then maybe mentors that you had along the way. You mentioned Dr. Bauma, who was a mentor to both of us. Um, and uh, any uh, s stories that you might want to share, experiences that you had uh, as we wrap up the interview? Oh, gosh. Um, why do I stay at Loyola? So 
when I was, um, I don't remember a lot of the details of this, but long story short, when I was, when I first came to interview, um, I think there was something wrong with my car battery. And, and I would parked on, because I didn't know any better, I was parked on Venice, and then my car, and like on, after the interview, my car wouldn't start. And there was a parent that immediately like hel- helped me and everything and got my car jump-started so I could you know, go back home. And so after this like, interview, like I'm, you know, I'm, and I, again, I wasn't used to driving to downtown LA. Mm-hmm. And I just, the community here, you know, it's the parents and our administrators and our faculty and students. It's just everyone, you know, we all, we all love this place. And, you know, I mean, there's always ups and downs, but I think it's just, there's something special about the community that I, I can't, I haven't been able to picture myself anywhere else, but mm-hmm. Loyola, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, Let's see. Sorry, what was that? Just, second just thing? mentors that okay. you may have had or experiences that you'd like to share. Um, so let's see. I've had, um, I think, all our department chairs. So uh, yeah, Dr. Bauma and then um, Mr. Gore. You, you <laughs> were, you know, you are a department chair as well, and you were a great mentor. Um, uh, Mr. Paul Picard. He was my initial mentor teacher, and so again, when I started, I remember that my first day of school. Um, again, I wasn't used to the traffic um, coming you know from the South Bay to downtown LA and back then we didn't have the fast track where mm-hmm. you could you know you basically just kind of set up well I guess you know we weren't supposed to use a carpool lane but <laughs> you know maybe there's one or two days where I said a prayer and <laughs> said God please don't let me get caught and you know I didn't want to be late um, but I wasn't used to the traffic so I was cutting it close so I you know I got to school on time but you know um, I was I was a little nervous because it was the first day of school and then we had all these like uh, taking attendance procedures and all that that I wasn't, you know, um, now it's like, you know, easy, but, you know, for a new teacher, there's a lot of new things. And I remember the first day of school, I go into my classroom and Mr. Picard's already there, you know, like just with a big smile on his face, um, you know, asking me how he can help me and, you know, help me kind of get started with the attendance and all that. And so, yeah, so Mr. Picard has been my, he was my mentor teacher initially. And I think all all these times, even you know, as I've been department chair, when there's some things I need advice about, he's he's been great. He's he's so patient, so knowledgeable, and you know he's been at Loyola for you know quite a while, but his like he is probably one of the most innovative people I know because he's always you know just you know, his love of learning and all, he's always learning new things and, and talking about new pedagogies. And, and so like he keeps me excited and fresh about a lot of things because sometimes, you know, when you're doing the same thing for a long time, you, you get kind of comfortable and into a routine. And, um, and so I think he's, he's helped me become a, you know, or continue to be a lifelong learner. So, so he's been a mentor and, um, and there's probably a lot of yeah. I'm too. sure you can go yeah. on and on, and you know, and I think that's a great uh, shout out yeah. for Mr. Picard and um, you know your whole your whole team of science teachers who you lead so so eloquently, and um, I think uh, uh, you all deserve a shout out, right? Yeah. Um, so I think before we sign off here, mm-hmm. I think there's one there's one other things you were talking about getting in the carpool lane uh-huh. uh, and driving to get to school. I know you're a big fan of cars. And fast cars, and uh, where did that love come from? And finally, what what 
what's the your most favorite car that you've ever had? Okay, so um, so I think ever since I was young, uh, I, I was intrigued by cars. Um, my so when I was young, we'd go to Pakistan to visit, and over there, whenever we would go, my mom would never drive, and I didn't understand that. And then I found out that all the cars were manual, mm. and she could only drive an automatic. Because mm. I'm like, uh, women are dri- allowed to drive in Pakistan, mommy. Why aren't you driving? She's like, oh, I can't drive that kind of car. And then so my so when I started high school, I told my dad I made a deal with him. I'm like, if I get straight A's. Um, when I'm a sophomore and I get my permit, I want, you know, uh, I want not a stick shift car. My dad's like, okay. So he taught me and we had a, so I had a civic. So, so okay. I was, you know, and so I was in around the time, the fast, like in the late nineties, early 2000s, all the fast and furious right. movies. You soup up that day. civic. Yeah. Well, actually, my Civic wasn't souped up, but my so as soon as I graduated college, I bought a Honda Prelude. I loved. Oh, that car. okay. It was a show car. It was beautiful. It was green. I had rims on it, body kit, oh. uh, just everything, and I was obsessed with that car. And so, and my dad, it was funny. He really, he always encouraged it. And my mom would get so mad. My mom's like, "You could, you know, that money you're putting on a car, you could have a condo, and you mm-hmm. know, buy this property and this and that. Why are you throwing away your money?" And my dad would always, it would, because the car gave me so much joy, and my dad would always be supportive of it. Huh. Long story short, I found out that before I was born, my dad had this beautiful Mustang, and. My dad would go. Um, I guess he was he was into racing, and I mean he was like serious about it. Where he had separate tires, so he'd go to the track, switch out his tires. Oh wow, and, yeah. And so, but as soon as I was born, my you know like I guess you know because it's dangerous, and you You're know right. he has a little girl to take care of. And so my dad gave all that up. So I never knew. And it's only later I saw some photographs and stories that my dad my dad actually told my friends some stories that I didn't know. And so my dad's always supported it. So I've I've loved. Um, uh, I my Honda Prelude was my first car that I loved, and then I I've had lots of uh, 350 and 370Zs. I mm-hmm. love that car too. Yeah. Um, and then my dream car was a 911 Miami Blue um, uh, Porsche. Wow, the colors which, even picked out. Mm-hmm, and I because <laughs> I saw that color, I fell in love with it. But at that time, it was just it was very expensive and it was hard to find. And so I settled for a little silver Boxster, okay. which was, mm-hmm. you know, so so I have that. So I, I love that. And then just by chance, there was an opportunity for me to get the 911 Carrera. And um, and again, my father, he, you know. <laughs> um, I well, think you're he, teaching. You need some help with that. If yeah. You're, you're not going to afford that. So, so yeah. So my, my father helped me uh, make it um, happen. And so, but I think, and I didn't realize this at that time, but I think my dad kind of vicariously lives through me with, in terms of, you know, Sounds all like the it. cars and stuff. So he's always really supported it. So yeah. So my Miami blue Porsche is my baby. I love that. That's car. wonderful. Well, I think that's a perfect story for Mr. Jackson's car club. There I'm not go. sure if he even is aware of that story or yeah. anything about that, but well, uh, I don't know about the story, but the car has been in the car shows. Well, it's been in the so, car yeah, show, yeah, yeah. show, but they, yeah. you know, the car club they yeah. have meetings and uh, uh, yeah. regardless uh, it, it's a really great story yeah. um, well thank you Dr. Kazi thank you for Mr. taking Gore. some time here on the We Are Loyola podcast um, I think we'll sign off here and uh, you're the, the, the second interview episode two of the podcast and uh, this is really great getting to know you better well thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening have a great day Thanks.